I'm one of those people that holds on to a lot of old notes. I've got a system, I really do. I can find just about anything except, of course, what I need at the moment. This past week I was going through some of my files and I found, I found my notes from the announcement time from a year ago here at Kansas Christian Church. Well, the, a year ago this weekend, March 17th of last year. I was reading through my notes of the things that I had announced, and with COVID just in the very beginnings, I, I read that, well, I announced that everything was going to be canceled for the rest of the month, and sadly that included youth group meetings and the Wednesday youth lunches that we were able to hold here at the church. I announced that we would be canceling the potluck that was due to happen the weekend after. It's been, it's been a year since we've had a potluck, guys. <sighs> I also announced that we would be canceling the fifth Sunday fellowship that we had whenever we had a fifth Sunday. We would have a breakfast together that morning. But I did announce also, as I made my announcements, I announced that we will return to our regular schedule just in time for Easter. <laughs> I didn't say which Easter, I guess. <laughs> but you know, we, we had no idea. We had no idea what was ahead of us when I made those announcements. We had no idea that things still wouldn't be back to normal a year later. We're spending three weeks in the Gospel of John in chapter 17, which is a prayer that Jesus prayed the night before he was crucified. I was thinking about Jesus's prayer requests here as I was looking at those notes from a year ago. I looked at those notes and realized we had, we had no idea what was ahead of us. But I read this prayer from Jesus and I realized he knew exactly what was ahead for him. And he prayed, he prayed anyway. He prayed knowing that in just a few hours he would be on trial, that he would be beaten, that he would be humiliated, that he would face the cross and that he would die. And he prayed anyway. More amazing than that, he prayed for us. And I wonder, knowing what we've gone through over the course of the past year, what would we have done differently a year ago today? What would we have done differently at the beginning of 2020? Would we have spent more time together would we have gone to more restaurants? Would we have taken that vacation early in the year because we weren't able to take it later? One of the things I've been sharing with you over the course of this past few weeks is that we're, we're celebrating Lent. We're remembering Lent this year with stones of remembrance, and we're asking people to write on their stones some blessing or some lesson or some gift that they were given during 2020. Again, 2020 took so much from us. What did it give us? I love this one. This person wrote, hug tighter. And that's a lesson that we all need, isn't it? We need to hug tighter, and we wish that we had hugged tighter. We wish we had spoken our hearts before we had to say goodbye to some very dear people over the course of the past year. I know there's a lot of things that I would have done different leading up to March last year. There's a lot of things I would have done different over the course of the whole year. But I think about Jesus 
And I think Jesus, knowing what he knew, he still prayed this prayer. He prayed for us. He prayed, he prayed for you. We're looking at John chapter 17, verses 9 through 19 in this passage today. And I, I want you to hear what Jesus prays as we move into this section. Beginning in verses 9 and 10. Jesus prays these words. He says to the Father, I am praying for them, meaning his followers. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. I mentioned last week as we began our look at this chapter that much of what Jesus is praying about. He's, he's praying for glory. He wants to glorify the Father. He wants the Father glorified through Him. He knows that He is returning to the glory that He had in the beginning. And here He prays for the church. He prays, he prays for us. He prays that we would glorify the Father as well and that we would glorify Him. I am glorified in them, Jesus says. You and I the lives that we live, the way that we live, despite our struggles, despite our difficulties, and despite our failures, we glorify Jesus. And he prayed that prayer. He prayed that prayer knowing what was ahead, not just for himself, but knowing what was ahead for his followers. Knowing that his church would suffer persecution, that his church would go through trials, and knowing that each and every one of us would have our struggles, that we would have our pains, we would have our trials, we would have our sicknesses, and that we would, we would suffer losses, and that we would suffer those losses together. Somehow, through it all, even when life is hard, even when we are very aware that the future is unknown, Somehow we still bring, bring glory. Somehow we still bring glory to Jesus. How do we do that? Well, how do we do that not just in the, the best of times? How do we do that in the worst of times? How do we do that in all the times? How do we do it right now? We bring Jesus glory when we hold to his promises. We bring him glory when we hold to his promises. Now, all the way through this prayer in John chapter 17, there are some wonderful promises from Jesus, promises that we need to know, promises that Jesus prayed for you the night before he died, promises that you can hold on to even in the worst days. Jesus prays and he promises that in a world that is often hostile, we can hold on to each other. We can hold on to one another. As Jesus continues in his prayer, he prays about returning to the Father, and he prays about those who are going to be left behind, his followers who will be left behind. What would life be like for those disciples? As we read the gospel, so much of their life just centered around Jesus and his presence and his leading, his guiding of them. What would it be like without his constant physical presence? How would they hold together? How would they, well, how would they get along with each other? How would they continue his message, his, his mission, and continue to spread his message? 
And then what about you and me? It's so difficult. It's so difficult at times for us to just hold together, to hold on to one another. And so Jesus prays for that unity that you and I need with each other because life is hard and because we need each other. He prays in verse 11, And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. Now you can't miss that everything that Jesus prays in this prayer is born out of his relationship with the Father. Jesus prays that, that he might be glorified. In verse 1, go back to verse 1, he prays to the Father, glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. And what you and I need to understand, because our relationships are very, very human, and sometimes our relationships are, well, fractured, and sometimes they're delicate. What you and I need to understand is that relationship between father and son, it is unbroken, it is eternal, it is never-ending. It's not like our relationships. Sometimes our relationships are strained. Sometimes our relationships are stressed. Sometimes, sometimes our relationships are strange, and sometimes they're estranged. <laughs> but, you know, in heaven, in the presence of the father and the son, there's never a day when the father is sick and tired of his son. There's never a day when the son wishes that the father would stay on his side of heaven and not bother him. Ah, Jesus and the father are one. And he says, because we are one, because he and the father are one, you and I can be one also. We need to hear that. You and I need to hear that. Because there are way too many times when we make our relationships just about us. We make our relationships and the ways that you and I get along all about what we have in common, our mutual likes and our mutual dislikes. You know, if we, if we like the same sports team, we're going to get along. If we like the same music, we're going to get along. If we like the same foods, we can go out together. We can have a good time. If we like the same politics, oh. You know, too often we make our friendships about those things. And when suddenly a difference pops up, whether it's about food or sports or whether it's about politics, suddenly relationships come to an end. Friendships have been fractured over the last year because of political differences. Do we understand that's not what Jesus was praying about for you and me? Do we understand that's not the kind of relationships that Jesus wants us to have? Not the kind of relationships he was praying for here? Not the kind of relationships that sent him to the cross for us? That's not the unity he seeks. Rather, he wants us to be one because he and the Father are one. We need to hear that. It is too easy for churches to divide over likes and dislikes. I like this kind of music, they like that kind of music, so I'm going to find someplace else to go. I like these kind of politics, they like that kind of politics, so I'm not going to go to that church. <sighs> there are issues that are important to us. But many of the issues that we hold as personally important, they, they are not worthy causes for division. They are not worthy causes for broken fellowship, broken relationships. And today... 
Today it's too easy just to say, well, if this church doesn't do it the way I want, I'll just take, him, take myself and go down the road to another church, or I'll just flip the channel and I'll, I'll join a different church online. That's not Jesus' prayer. That's not what Jesus lived for. That's not what Jesus died for. He is praying for us that in the middle of any difficulties we might have with one another, even any hostilities that we might face, that we can know unity, that we can know we've got each other's backs. We stand together. We stand as one because He and the Father are one. And in that unity... When we live that kind of unity out, it brings Him glory. Now, that's a promise that we can hold on to. And He gives us another promise here. It's a promise that in a world of pain, we can know His joy. As Jesus prays, we realize that He's very aware of the pain that is before Him. Very soon after praying this prayer, soldiers will come along with Judas. Jesus will be betrayed by one of his closest friends. He will be on trial. He will be mocked. He will be beaten. He will be crucified. He will die in the worst agony imaginable. And yet, I can't help but think, as I read Jesus' prayer here, I can't help but think of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, where it says of Jesus that for the joy that was set before him, the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He knew he was returning to the Father. And knowing that he was returning to the Father, knowing that we would be one, that we would have that unity, that gave Jesus joy. And you hear that in his prayer for us, verses 12 and 13, where Jesus prays, While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. We hear the word joy and we usually think about happy events. We usually think about things that bring us joy. We think about Christmas, joy to the world. We think about the joy of birth when a, a baby is born. We might jump for joy. We might, we might eat an almond joy. We might sing happy, happy, joy, joy, or I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart to stay. We can't hear joy that way here. Jesus isn't cheering. Jesus isn't cheering because they're bringing his cross. Joy, joy is an anticipation of what's waiting on the other side of the pain. Joy causes us to live now, to live today in that anticipation of what's on the other side of our hurts. I've said it over and over again as, as we read this prayer, we realize that you and I have a part to play in answering Jesus's prayer. But nothing in this prayer is easy for us. Nothing in this prayer comes without commitment from us. He prays that we might be one 
And that means that you and I have to lay down some preferences every now and then. We may have to lay down a lot of things that we love in favor of unity with one another. He prays here that that they may have my joy. He says that they may have my joy fulfilled in them. Do you hear that? It's not about your joy and it's not about my joy. It's about his joy. Are we willing to lay down something that we might love in favor of bringing joy to Jesus, of giving ourselves over to something that would bring him joy? I think Paul is saying something very similar in Philippians chapter 2, verse 2, where he's writing about Jesus. And in Philippians 2, 2, he says, Make my joy complete by you being like-minded with one another and having the same love with one another. And again, at the heart of that joy that Paul's talking about there is unity It's laying down our preferences, laying down our likes, laying down the possibility of you and me getting our own way and saying for the sake of Christ and for the sake of his joy, I will seek peace with others. I will seek their best because when I seek his joy, I want unity with the Father to be seen in me. I want to be known with his kind of love. And that's a promise we have. That's another promise we have through Jesus. There's one other promise I want you to hear in this prayer. We need to hear it in this prayer. And it is the promise that in a world of conflict, we have his protection. In a world of conflict, we have his protection. I read what Jesus prays next. And I got to be honest with you, I don't like it. (laughs) I don't like this part of his prayer. I wish he hadn't prayed this. Have you ever asked someone to pray for you and they pray, they pray the wrong thing? They don't pray the prayer that you want them to pray. I remember a while back I was praying, I was asking a friend of mine to pray for me. And I asked this friend to pray about a struggle that I was facing, something that some problem I had and I wanted that problem to be over with. And that's not what my friend prayed. Instead, he prayed that I would be stronger and that I would bear up under the struggle. He wanted me to be more faithful and he prayed that I would see Jesus even through the difficulties I was experiencing. I didn't like that prayer, but you know what? That's the prayer I needed. I needed that prayer in that moment. Not the prayer I wanted, (laughs) but it was the prayer that I needed. I hear Jesus doing the same thing to you and me as I read these next few verses, verses 14 and 15. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Did you hear that in verse 15? I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Oh, Jesus, though, that's, that's what we want. We want to be done with this world. We want this fallen world to be over with. We want this evil to be done away with. We want the pain that we feel to be gone and the fear that we have. We want the sadness of separation when we, when we lose someone that we love. We want that all gone. We want you to come back. We want you to take us home. 
We want to be with you. And Jesus says, I'm not praying that. He says, I'm not praying that, but I am praying for your protection. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. It's not the prayer we wanted, but you know what? Somehow Jesus even talked us into praying that prayer with him. Do you remember the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6? The Lord's Prayer, we pray it every, well, we try to remember to pray it the first Sunday of every month. Here's when we gather at Kansas. But there in the Lord's Prayer, what does Jesus teach us to pray? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We've prayed that prayer along with him. And it's a wonderful promise. It's a wonderful prayer. It's a promise that the enemy can't touch us, that the enemy has no power over us in this world, but it's not a promise to an easy life. It's not a promise of a pain-free life or a conflict-free existence. It's a, and it's not a promise. It's not a promise that we'll always get our way. But it is a promise that with our eyes firmly planted on Jesus, with our focus on eternity with Him, the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. I had a visit with a young lady earlier this week, and she's having a difficult time with her health. And as I spoke with her, I could tell she's, she's scared and she's frustrated. I think she's ready to admit she's frustrated with her God just a little bit. She was telling me, she says, I want healing. I, I want healing. I've seen God heal other people, and I don't understand why he won't heal me. And I confirmed for her and comforted her, and I said, you know, we always pray for healing. We always seek healing first, but don't miss out on his grace even if healing doesn't come the way you want it. Don't miss out because His grace is always there for you. I shared with her about the Apostle Paul and the thorn in his flesh that Paul asked God to remove. Three times he asked him to remove it. God wouldn't. And God finally told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Healing is, is wonderful. And we always pray for healing, but we also understand that we have God's promise that our lives do not end with this world. And we receive that promise with joy, and we receive it together with unity. Jesus continues praying for us. He continues praying for His church. He prays in verses 16 through 19. They, meaning, meaning us, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Sanctify them. That's what Jesus is praying for us. Sanctify them. That's a, that's a big word. That's what we call a churchy word. Sanctify them. It literally means set them apart. Set them apart for, for service. Set them apart to serve you, to serve God. Set them apart. Set them apart to tell your story 
set them apart to show this world that there is unity to be found in Jesus. There is joy in living for him. And there is the promise of his presence. There is the promise of his protection and that nothing that we face can take us away from him. Nothing that we face can take those promises. We need to hear that. But I always think that there is a world of people around us who are in this world. There's a world of people who need to hear that from us. They need us in this world. As much as we would love to escape, as much as we would love to go to heaven or simply go off and hide somewhere, we have a message that they need, a message that, a message that they not only need to hear from us, but they need to see it from us in the way that we love our neighbors in the way that we care for the least of these. And they need to see it in the way that you and I live our lives in unity with one another, in the joy that we face life's challenges with, and in the promise that we have of Jesus's presence, even in those most difficult of moments. Those promises didn't just send Jesus to his knees in the garden as he prayed for us. Those promises sent him to the cross. And as we take the, the Lord's Supper today, as we take communion, we remember his sacrifice. We remember not only what he did for us, but what he promised us. He promised us a way to the Father. He promised us his peace. He promised us, he promised us to each other. And we thank him for that. As we take today, let's remember those promises. Would you, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. And as we hear Jesus' prayer again this week, we pray that through the lives that we live, through the way that we live together and love one another, Lord, that we might see our part in being part of the answer to Jesus' prayer. Lord, help us to, every day to lay down our differences, to find unity. Lord, help us to lay down those things that, that we would love to have for ourselves so that we can know Jesus' joy in us and see it fulfilled in us. And Father, remind us that no matter how difficult things might be for us, we have your promise and your presence. And we know that this world will not overcome us, that the enemy will not overcome us. Bless this bread today that represents the body broken and bless the cup that represents bloodshed. And as we take it, remind us again, not only of his great love, but of his great promises. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless. Thanks for joining us. Go in peace.